Hello, and welcome to the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. Each episode, we talk about a particular topic in the life of a professor. We are tenure-track faculty members in the sciences, working at a primarily undergraduate university in California. The purpose of our podcast is reflection, so we bring something we think is working and something we're working on to discuss. Welcome to the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. I'm Ruth. And I'm Claire. And today we're talking about advising. But first, Ruth, how was your week? My week was good this week. I um, kind of, we had like, the kids were really fed up. And I think they sort of realized that, like, at the moment, me and Eric are just trading off a lot. So it's sort of like, okay, I'm going to work, you take the kids. Mm -hmm. I have to work for an hour. And we hadn't really done a lot of stuff together as a family. And so today we... Managed to get some time. Eric took some time off work and we went to the beach. Oh, how nice. Yeah. And so like, I want to qualify this that like we live in a really rural area and we never had closed beaches. So we've been very lucky and it's, you can definitely go to the beach and it's very sparse. How nice. There's not a lot of people there. And so it's kind of, it's sort of weird because when you're at home, you feel like you're spending all this time together, but we actually like weren't really. Uh So I think it was super nice. And everyone had a good time. And I got very interesting patches of sunburn. So <laughs> apparently, I've forgotten what it's like to be outside. So I'm like, Did yeah, you put on the strikes. sunscreen patchily or something? Yeah, I think somehow I still haven't learned that, like, when you put sunscreen on, when you have shorts on, and then you sit down and the shorts kind of go up, mm. you know, I, you need to go higher than, like, whatever's covered. Yeah. that You know what I mean. The classic. Yeah. So, yeah shoddy application but how how was your week it was good i um i got super into a novel which i have right here and i'll I'll show you show and tell did you ever read the hunger games i did i did not know there was okay so you're shall tell so this is what you're holding up this is the recent prequel to the hunger games released by (gasps) suzanne collins the ballad of songbirds and snakes and let me tell you did i not know it well i know (laughs) <laughs> you should get a copy um i started it and was like dark? oh well you know it's 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 very hunger games it's it's, it's not totally cheerful. hunger games um but like the but hunger I games at least is the hopeful bit right where like things are going to change but stuff seemed dark before totally. but anyway yeah well it's a prequel so you know where it's going um mm-hmm. but yeah i mean you can see that it's a thick book and i'm very far through I don't know if you can see through Zoom. Dude, but anyway, I, I blasted about through. Like on Saturday, That's I read cool. it for like hours straight. And oh. it was so nice to really just delve into a book. And she she just does such a good job. I mean, she's at the bar high with the Hunger Games. And I feel like she totally met that bar. So I'm into it. She She's really great. I kind of, I think some of my issues I have with books in general can be that people can be really good narrative stuff i don't know how i'm describing this this is like my i don't have the proper critique language but you know sometimes people can be so good at world building Uh but then the narration is kind of rubbish or they can be really good at and i'm like sensitive to bad world building for sure because i kind of hate when people are like oh did i not mention that like cats can fly oh that's a thing now Uh not into that like i and i think her world building in that whole series is just so great it's so good it's really consistent and awesome and yeah i love it yeah and the themes and the tones are very consistent um Mm -hmm. and she always there's always something 
there's always the next thing that you have to make sure is about to happen. You know, it's it's very um, gripping to read, which is great. So anyway, yeah. I'm, I've been really enjoying yeah. it. Okay, cool. I had no idea that was the thing. I'm super stoked. Yeah. That's, yeah. So we are talking okay, cool. about advising. And, um, oh, wait. So um, can I do, I sorry, my quote. No. I know I just to- totally Oh, I totally forgot book. about the quote. My I bad. know. Sometimes I forget. I'm like, I like... Our other book podcast should be coming out. Soon. That's what we should do. That would be that would be awesome. So um, this is like a slightly longer quote. It's like I'm just it's like an excerpt from an article. Okay. I don't know why I'm like, is that okay? Because I'm sure <laughs> that's what say we're no, doing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of wanted to. There is a person called um, Dr. Mary James. Okay. Who is she? Is the dean of institutional diversity at Reed College. And I saw her talk at the Conference for Undergraduate Women in Physics, which is just a phenomenal, wonderful thing. And it's a great experience. And the talk she gave kind of, I feel like, changed the direction of everything I'm doing and everything I'm kind of interested in. So many of it, so many things from it came from this talk. And it was a talk about what does access really mean? Okay. And she kind of talked about issues that can impact people when they're trying to participate in physics. And so she, and as an African-American woman back in the day, she certainly did not have a straightforward career path. Mm-hmm. And she kind of draws a lot on her own personal experience when she's talking about this. So it feels kind of particularly resonant now. And she just, she's just wonderful and inspiring and awesome. Wow. So this is an article and the whole, I could kind of read out the whole article, but I won't. <laughs> I don't want to like But it's alarm that you, good. But... Okay. Yeah, it's so good. But so one thing that she talks about is belonging uncertainty. And she said, and also the kind of need for people who are minoritized in physics to sort of be perfect. And so she kind of described the situation. So she said, um, when I was a beginning graduate student, I worked in a lab with over 200 employees. Only three of us were women. There was a secretary, a computer programmer and me. On one of my first days, a technician approached me and said, oh, I heard about you, but I can't remember. Are you a secretary or the prodigy? And so to him, there was only two reasons I could be in that building. Either I was a secretary or I was too good to turn down. So they had to take me. Uh. And women have internalized this narrative that they must be brilliant to belong in STEM. And I've had women come to me and say they got a B plus, so they must change majors. But men who get a B plus do not ever tell me that. So a decent grade does not dissuade men from majoring in physics. That's because men automatically assume they belong, but women must constantly prove they belong. And so that felt, it's just so, like that is experience I have time and time again with female students and students of color who kind of feel like, like it's sort of so bizarre that they're there. It can only be if they get A's all the time. I see. And if they're anything, and if they actually, someone just did research studies that showed that a lot of women I'm using quotes here, fail out of physics with bees. Like they're kind of like, well, I just can't hack it. And it's just super interesting, but it's just that kind of, like there's only two reasons you could get to be in the building. Either you were like such a prodigy, right? you know, or yeah. So I thought that was super interesting. Interesting. And I think, I think that's like part of why she's so amazing is that she's sharing so much of her own narrative that it really, like when I sat in the audience, there were students all around me weeping. Like, I think just to kind of have their experience verbalized. So, yeah, she is amazing. How powerful. But anyway, sorry. Okay. So here we are. And we're talking about advising. Yes. And so can we, 
So I have to tell you that advising is not really a thing in Ireland where I went to undergrad. Okay. And so maybe do you want to describe a little bit by what we mean about that or what sure. that means in our job? So at our university and also the one where I went to undergrad, it was a, it's a thing that before students register for the next semester classes, they must talk to their academic advisor, who's um, usually a faculty member, and go through their plan for their classes uh, to, you know, to kind of have a checkpoint to, um, to make mm-hmm. sure that they're, they're going a good direction. And so as advisors, we have a list of a certain number of students that are our advisees, and we meet with them at least once a semester to, make, to touch base on the classes they plan to take and, um, and anything else that, that they could use advice about in their academic pursuits. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that what you would say, Ruth? Yes, I think that's perfect. And I think, um, I guess it certainly sounds like it's all too easy for students to end up taking a whole bunch of incorrect classes. And I guess this is to mitigate that. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I guess from, so I guess something that's very different in my experience in Ireland, and I think in general, maybe in Europe, is that when you go to university, I went in as a physics student and I was like in a program and I was in the same class with all the same people and we all took the same classes together for the first year and then the second year. And there may have been, as you go along, like you can choose from these three. I see. And they were all offered at the same time. And so it just, this whole um, situation over here where there's so much autonomy about when you take classes, what classes you take, I see. what order you take them in, that just wasn't a thing. Interesting. And so it wasn't... An, I still don't know how students navigate it. It seems so <laughs> overwhelming to me sometimes just to like the kind of combinations and permutations and all sorts of things that you can take. Right. Is a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For me, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. And for us on the other side of the desk, you're supposed to know the answer. <laughs> Ooh, that's, that is a lot. So, yeah. And um, so tell me, do you want to say what's working for you? Sure. So um, as we foreshadowed not feeling comfortable about all those different things we might be giving advice on is, is what we're getting to or what I'm getting to at least. So what's working for me, um, is kind of taking the role of advisor and turning it into, to include the parts that I, I really do feel like I want to give advice on. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the aspects that I do have advice on, I want to include even if they wouldn't naturally come up. So, um, for example, there's a environmental chemistry class that our department offers that I know sub- substitutes unofficially for some other requirements, and a oh. lot of people are interested in environmental stuff, and if they're in my my office, they're interested in chemistry, so I often just say, hey, so you know, this is an option. Mm-hmm. If you want to take it, let me know, and I'll put in the substitution. Or um, just going out of the way to offer help for preparing for grad school applications or choosing what grad school to go to and the different Mm -hmm. criteria you might consider. I I feel like I have some thoughts that I'd be glad to share on that. And and also REUs. You know, a lot of students don't know about these research experience opportunities or know that they might be qualified to apply or that kind of thing. So, So those kind of things that I do want to share and have some thoughts that I think would be good to share, I try to make sure to actually get in there. 
I think that's awesome. And I think it sort of is like this opportunity, right? Where I guess the way it's set up, they have to meet with us before right. they can register. And so it's really good to cash in on that. And I think, you know, we talked a little bit on here about sort of belonging and culture and like, it's like, especially because we have at least 50% of our students are first generation. There's so many of these things that are just like, like, what if you've never heard of an REU or what right. if you had no idea like grad school? I mean, I've had so many conversations with students where they had no idea that you get paid in grad school. Of course. And that suddenly yes. changes everything. It does. It's like, whoa, we're not going to spend the same amount again or, you know, like we could, you could live. And so I think those conversations are crucial. So that's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I thought that it'd be helpful things that the students wouldn't think to ask, but that I do want to say. So I don't know that that's kind of why I try to have a little checklist. Like these are the things that I want to bring up. That's really calling me to do the same thing and to have like kind of like a checklist and actually be super intentional about it. And, you know, and then there's, that's the thing too, because sometimes if you make sure you're doing that with everyone and you're not kind of like only waiting till somebody brings it up, I think that's really equity minded as well. And yeah, I really like that. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. So what, what's working for you for advising? I feel like I'm finally getting the hang of it. And Ooh, I don't know how much I could say awesome. on here, but dude, I had no idea what I was doing. Like none at all. <laughs> I feel like they almost have this like hilarious thing where some departments have kind of professional advisors, like that's their job. And in a discussion in our department about whether we should have those, um, everyone was like, oh, but we couldn't because like people wouldn't know like the kind of intricacies Uh and I'm like I don't know the intricacies (laughs) yeah I think I'm finally getting there with like really understanding what should go where the other thing that oh thanks well I think a big part of that was you telling me that like the GE requirements are so overwhelming Uh and there's a lot of like secret language people know so like people know things like this cast will double count for this and this requirement. Right. And like, you can literally take like, so many units off a person's degree by having that information. Interesting. And I do not have that information, but I've gotten comfortable with sending students like to, for like kind of comfortable with the role that I'm doing the physics class advising and maybe like math and chemistry, but for like the real kind of GE scoop, they need to go to the academic advising center and Great get idea. that information. The professionals who think, know the intricacies of the GE requirements. I love it. You know, I just had a realization and I'm just this. I've been using the term GE and I know that before I came to America, I didn't know what that was. So it's um, general education classes. And so it's usually like for degrees in America, you kind of take classes that relate to your major, but you also take this sort of broad spectrum of other classes and different universities have different requirements. And so like a communications class would be one, you know, there's all of these different kind of requirements. And so, sorry, I just realized there, I was like, oh, I'm glad you got that. Yes. In. GE. Yeah. But um, yeah, because I think, you know, it's such a widely varied experience. And I am quite lucky that the person in the office next to me is very seasoned and very, he knows all the things. And I almost wish I could have a little hatch, like from my office. office <laughs> That'd be so often, great. Sometimes I just like shout in and I'm like, hey, like, is this a requirement for this? And like, he'll almost end up having to co-advise with me. But um, yeah, it's really great when you have people in the know. But I think 
I'm I'm not going to pretend I'm a person in the know and just I'm going to let them get that information where they need to get it. So I'm kind of more totally. comfortable with doing that. Because at great. first I thought that just meant I was really bad at my job. So I would try and be like, yeah, maybe you should take this one or that one. And now I'm kind of comfortable with, yeah, I don't know. I The best way to get this advice is to go to people who know all the kind of intricacies. That's great. I love it. That's yeah. actually what so I'm what... working on. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> like... So yeah, I'm totally down oh, yeah. with the chemistry requirements, physics and math too. Got it. No problem. I can even feel comfortable suggesting the order that they take the classes and mm -hmm. the number of classes each semester when we're talking about that. Um, I'm into it. But yeah, then the GE requirements. Um, yeah, I don't have a good familiarity with which classes double count and hit multiple requirements. And so I'm not set up in a good position to steer people towards efficiency in their GE requirements. And, you know, I could to put the time in and learn it and and you know some could argue that I should but I feel like with essentialism that's not really my what I want to do and there are people already on campus who they can talk to about right. the most efficient way to get through GE requirements if that's what they want to do um alternatively if they want to pick classes that they're interested in that fit with the GE requirements um with a little bit less emphasis on efficiency that's also not really something for me to do. That's something for them to peruse the course catalog and select um, with their interests. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, because I have gotten into situations sometimes where it's like, you know, we need to figure out the course schedule for the fall and you need this, you know, particular category of GE. So let's find one. And that's fine. But I feel like sometimes we end up with just picking one that you know, was near the top of the list and sounded vaguely interesting yeah. when there was a whole long list. And that's, that's, you know, maybe there was some just a little bit further down that the student would have really liked. So, so I'm not really comfortable and don't really think that's really what I should be doing. So I'm kind of thinking maybe I should be more like, take this chemistry class and this math class and two GEs and be less specific if I am giving that kind of advice so that they can then pick what they want. Um, you know, on their own time where they don't, we don't have a time pressure of them picking quickly. Yes, totally. I agree. I am. Um, yeah, I, I really struggle with in advising, like, not discouraging people. And sometimes that can come up with GEs too. And it's really tricky to kind of tailor things to people's different right needs. And sometimes there's a student who's going to be like, I'm taking 19 units and maybe depending on what the classes are and maybe depending on what kind of person they are and what kind of resources they have, like if they don't have a job or, you know, they can do that. But then some other student hears about that and it's like, oh, sweet, I'm going to take 19 units. You're like, I don't know if that's a good idea. And it's just a lot of that stuff is tricky. And yeah, it's so tempting to pack the schedule full because then look, all oh, the requirements yeah. are done so fast. And and yeah, I, I it is a common thing to say that's not the fastest path out because it's it's too many. Um yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes people maybe in their first year can like overload depending on what classes they have, but it just doesn't translate through. Like there's mm -hmm. just some classes all units are not equal, I think. Yeah, and so that's true. That can be tricky and like something that's come up for me a little bit is students like say 
over like enrolling in overlapping classes. And so one year there was a student and he enrolled in like a math class that overlapped with like one hour of my lab. Mm-hmm. And he was really diligent and would definitely do the work outside of class, you know, and he got it all done. Mm-hmm. But two other students heard about that and were like, oh, I want to do that too. And you're like, oh my sure. God, this is a terrible precedent. And this is not setting people up for success to do this. And sure, it's tricky. Yeah, I think that's a good way to phrase it. You're, you're trying to set yourself up for success. And right. And that it is very different for different people. And there's so many different, um, you know, some people really thrive with tons of science and math all at once. And other people more thrive if they've got more diversity in the schedule. And that's mm-hmm. just, I don't know, personality differences or something. So that's totally, yeah, it's, it's important to think about the individual and how to set them up for success. And I think and- I've talked about on here before like I struggle with when there isn't just a rule I just want it uh-huh. to be a rule I want it sure. to be the same rule but it really isn't and yeah and then it's I really value having that time to have personal conversations with students yes me too yeah but it can be tricky if they are not a student you've had in class you know to you kind know of assess well, yeah. mm-hmm. right it's sort of tricky to be like okay yes you can take you know however many classes and yeah, and then because I've definitely had conversations with students where they're adamant they're going to take 19 units mm-hmm. and it feels like how much do you push it? You know, mm-hmm. when are you like, yeah, like you said, like not setting yourself up for success. But then they're like, no, I think I'm good. And you're like, OK, good luck. See you yeah, semester. And I've been yeah. enjoying for that scenario, the phrase like trying to be really clear. These two things I strongly suggest, like, you should definitely Mm. take these classes. I think you should think very carefully about whether you want to take that many, but it's up to you. Or, you know, try to... Yeah. Try to be explicit about which things I'm explicitly recommending, which things I'm giving a little warning about, but it's still up to you, and which things are just, um, here's an idea and some information, but do what you will with it, you know? Because mm-hmm. there are different levels, for sure. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're advisors. Ultimately, even if we say, I strongly recommend you don't do that, it's it's their choice what to take. They're, you know, they're college students paying for college. Of course, they can enroll in what they want to enroll in. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's definitely like, and it's tricky with, you know, needing to know about things like financial aid requirements sure. and we definitely like our major is like the maximum possible units you can take. Yeah. Which is such a source of stress because people can't kind of, it's really rare that they can switch in from another class or another major because they've already taken some units and they're not going to have room to take all of ours. And right. it's, it's just, there's not a lot of wiggle room. And yeah. I think we have people who like need to take a reasonable amount of math here. Uh-huh. And that gobbles up a lot of their units. And so it's, yeah, it's hard. Sure, sure. And I feel very unqualified to be the person making those decisions. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Well, it sounds like I'm you're getting, getting there. Your are working mm-hmm. was, was feeling confident about it. That's awesome. Well, and I think, I feel like, you know, I had it, like my aunt once said that like incompetence isn't really a problem. It's incompetence coupled with like silence that really gets dangerous Mm. or like not admitting when you don't know something right that's like when maybe incompetence isn't the word I'm looking for but like I think maybe she was saying incompetence is when 
people don't know something yes. but won't admit it. Yes, and I think, totally. Yeah, kind of being clear about what I don't know is yes. the way to go. Yes, I'm yeah. confident about the chemistry and the physics. Don't know about the GE, but here's the person to mm -hmm. ask. Totally. Yes. Definitely yeah, a reasonable totally. answer. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, I feel like I'm going to, I'm definitely going to employ this checklist thing. Yeah, it's helpful. About what I've got to say to. Yeah, I think that's super helpful. And sometimes too, students kind of come in and you're both sort of staring at each other. <laughs> like, you know, so totally. like it can be good to have stuff to kind of go through. Yeah. A little icebreaker. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Ruth. Cool. This was great. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. We're delighted to have you as a listener and we would love to hear from you. And if you want to email us, our address is contactprofessorpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any of your suggestions for future shows or professor quotes that you might want to share with us, or even just things that have come up for you when you were listening to previous episodes. And if you've been enjoying the podcast, we would love if you would spread the word. So the best way to spread word is by telling people, you know, if you think they should listen to it, or you can leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.